when people ask you, as you get older, what are the things that are more difficult? My first answer is grocery shopping. It's tougher today than it's ever been. Um, There are so many options out there. When I was younger, and if they said, hey, go to the store and get some Cheerios, I knew exactly what to do. Go to the store, there's one box of Cheerios, there's only one kind of Cheerios, I'd grab that, and we go and I'd be checked out. Today, you just need to go to the grocery stores and look at the men in the grocery stores. We go in and we go, oh my gosh, I got this guy, got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. There's so many different options. You know, I'm really into cheese nips. I love cheese nips. But it takes me five minutes to find the one that I like. You know, I just want the original. I don't want the reduced fat. I don't care if it's got jalapeno. I don't care if it's got Tabasco. I don't care if it's got four cheeses. I don't care if it's got the ridges. Just give me the original. But see, you have to sit there instead. There's all these kind of options out there. And it just makes it confusing. Well, we have been going through a sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount. And we are coming to the close of it. And as he has taught all these great teachings about what it means to be a kingdom citizen, to be a part of God's kingdom, he then closes this message, coming to the close of it, by providing choices. But the great thing is with his choices, there's only two options with each choice. And so in our message today, as we get ready to come close to the close of this sermon, we're going to see three choices that he gives each one of us, which will result in two destinations, which will end up being one main conclusion. Okay? If you've got your Bibles open, I want you to look Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start in the uh, 13th verse. In the 13th verse. And we will look at the very first choice. And the very first choice is this, choose the path to walk. The wide path or the narrow path. Verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So what Jesus is telling us is he's saying, and I'm going to help picture this for you. He's telling us that we've got two gates to choose from. Now, one of the gates is a wide gate. And in that wide gate, he says it's broad, and a lot of folks will go through that gate. And, uh, and you can pretty well make it through that gate and kind of carry everything that you got with you if you want to go through there. And he says it's a, uh, it's a broad gate, and it's a wide gate. And so, in essence, what Jesus is saying is it's like this big gate that opens into this boulevard that goes into the city. And then you just keep going on this wide, expansive uh, pathway. It's a real broad path. And with it, you can carry everything that you want with it. I can get right through this gate and walk through here and I can carry everything. Everything fits through there. You can carry all my beliefs, you know, all my prejudices. I can bring all my self-righteousness in there, all my sinful habits. If I, um, if I believe in a God, that's good. If I believe in no God, that's okay. If I want to be an atheist, that's okay. If I want to go through here and uh, I believe in um, sensuality, I want that to be a major part of my life, that's okay. If I think that I can see uh, the essence of life through meditation, hey, that's okay. 
If I just want to do good, try to do good things, you know, that's okay. Whatever philosophy I've got, I can carry that through there. And listen, everybody's philosophy is fine. And uh, we don't want to have any value judgments over here. Uh, if you're into political correctness, we've got that in here. And, and guess what? You can, everything is relative. There is no absolute truth. And so bring it all in. Everybody just come on through and bring all your stuff and everything I've got packed in here. You bring it with you and just come on through the wide gate. And there are a lot of people that do that. And he says that it's a wide gate and many will enter it. It's the most popular one. And the wide gate is, is the popular opinion of the day. It's the, it's the, uh, the values of this day. It's, it's, hey, if it feels good, do it type thing. Let's just go right through the wide gate. But then he comes back. And in the first part of verse 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate. So he starts off by telling you to enter by the narrow gate. And then he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So now what he does is he pictures more of a narrow gate that leads down a narrow path. It's a path that never broadens, and, and no matter how far you go, it's going to stay as a, as, a narrow, as a narrow path. And the way it's pictured is you could look at this gate, and you've got the two signposts on there. And you could really think about the very first two Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. The first one says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means you're bankrupt in spirit. It means, Lord, I've got nothing to bring to this but just myself. I am bankrupt in spirit. I need you, Lord. I am bankrupt in spirit. And the second one is, blessed those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those who mourn over their sins. And so it is that when I approach the narrow gate, it is that I mourn over my sins, and I'm sorry for the things that I've done. But as I try to get through this narrow gate, I cannot get through here, and I, I, can't, I can't get my suitcase through here, and I can't get through here with my stuff. So what I have to do is I've kind of got to leave my stuff. And so when I take my stuff off and leave it, then all of a sudden I can enter in that gate. Because see what God is saying, he says, I want you to come to the gates empty-handed. It's a narrow gate. And don't bring don't bring all these sinful attitudes and stuff that you want to hold on to. Now, he is not saying you got to be perfect to come to the gate. No. He's saying you need to understand that you've got sin in your life and you don't want it anymore. And you say, God, my hands are open. I want to come through. I want to enter into a relationship with you. And then when we get over there, I'm going to have struggles. They're going to come. Temptations are going to come. Some of the same things that were messing me up out here are going to mess with me over there. But when I come through the gate... My desire is to get rid of all of that. And I turn that over to you. It's that narrow gate. And he says, few will go through there. And you think about it. You say, well, why does few to go through there? Because they don't want to leave their stuff. They don't want to leave their baggage. They want to just keep on living life the way they've been living. They want to continue to please the crowd. They want it to be a popular way to go. This is not a popular way to go. The crowd is not going to be all excited. This is not going to win a popularity contest. This is not where the masses are all going to want to go because it's opposite of what we would naturally believe. 
But you have to come to the point to where you see that narrow gate. So you say, so what does it mean to, to be narrow on there? Well, let me just give you a, some things to help you with a narrow gate and a narrow path. Number one, your thoughts about God are narrowed. Your thoughts about God are narrowed. You can't go by everyone else's definition of who they think God is. He is God that is revealed in the Bible. He is not confined by nature. He is above nature. He is the one that holds the whole world together by the power of his word. That God. The God that's revealed in scripture. So when you get ready to go through the gate, you can't take all these preconceptions of different ideas of who God is and it may be God within us or another God over here or this God over here is the same. There is one God, Jehovah God, in the Bible that's a narrow view, but that's how you get through the gate. But you see, it's not just the view of God, but it is also a narrow view of salvation. You see, it is thoughts regarding your salvation are narrowed. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty narrow. In fact, Jesus says, I am this gate. No one comes to the Father except through me. Preaching in the book of Acts, they said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now look closely at that. No other name. There's only one name, and that is through Jesus Christ. And that is why it is a narrow gate. And so you begin, your thoughts about God are narrowed. Your thoughts about salvation are narrowed. And our affections are narrowed. Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. That means he is to be your priority. And so my affections are narrowed because it's not the things of this world that I'm loving, but it is God himself with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. And then last of all, our conduct is narrowed. Our conduct is narrow. And this is what Jesus has been talking about. As he's been laying out the Sermon on the Mount, he says, this is the way a kingdom citizen lives. And, and it's been a number of things we've looked at that is opposite from what, we're, what we see happening in our world. And he says, this is the way a kingdom citizen lives. It narrows your conduct. You can't just do whatever it is that makes you feel good. You see, what you do is you look in God's word and you strive for righteousness, to be in a right relationship with him. And I want to be obedient to him and obedient to his will. That's what narrows things down. And he says, you've got two choices. You can go the wide gate or you can go the narrow gate. But if you're going to walk that narrow path, you have to leave a lot of your baggage behind, hands empty and saying, God, take me just as I am and then come to him. But you see, if ultimate significance is not the path, but it's the path's destination. In that wide path, people got so enamored with the spaciousness of the path that they completely lost attention as to where does that path lead. And that's where the sad thing is, is that just as he says, you've got two choices. You get to choose the path that you will walk. In choosing that path, you also choose your destination. And I want you to hear that very clearly. You're choosing your destination by the path that you choose. You say, well, what is the destination? Look what he says right here. It says in verse 13, he says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Your destination is the wide path leads to destruction. That is a word that's used in the New Testament that means eternal punishment. 
eternal punishment. If you decide you want to go the wide gate and just say anything goes, all truth is relevant, nothing's absolute, I'm just going to go through here. He says, you can go there, there'll be a crowd of people there, but one day that road's going to end and you're going to fall into an abyss. You are going to be spending eternity separated from God. You're going to be spending eternity in hell. Now, it's interesting. They'll sit there and say, ooh, you're not supposed to talk about that. Uh, you're not supposed to mention hell, especially at Christmas. It's not a good thing uh, on there. Uh, you know what's interesting? Just read through the New Testament. Read through the New Testament right down every time Jesus says something about hell and every time he says something about heaven. He says a lot more about hell than he does heaven. And we're quick to jump on heaven. We love that. And that is true. But he's also very forthright in saying, there is a heaven, there is a hell. And he says, if you take the wide gate, that wide path, it will lead to destruction. And but see, most people that are walking down the wide path, when you tell them that, they're saying, no, that can't be. I'm walking along the path and I'm better than a lot of these other people on the path. So we're not all going to die. And then good old God, any a God of love, you see, God would never send me to hell. And you are so right. He has not sent one person to hell. You've chosen to go there because you chose to go that path. You get to choose the path. God's laid it out there. You choose the wide path. You choose the wide path. There's a consequence. You're going to spend eternity separated from God. Well, I want to choose the narrow path. Well, what if you choose the narrow gate? What does it say there? That destination, the narrow path leads to life. And that means it leads to a completely fulfilling life. It provides freedom. It provides joy. You're free from the power and the penalty of that sin. All of this stuff, all of this baggage, you are free from that. You've got the liberty of your sins being forgiven. You have that opportunity to know that you are clean before God and then you can come to others that have either wronged you or you've wronged them and ask for forgiveness and get that freedom of what forgiveness feels like. You can have a, be a broken person and then you can be restored and understand what that's like. You can live a life that's on purpose to know that exactly why God created you or you're doing the, exactly the things he has created you for. You are his workmanship. All of these things you get to enjoy. But then you keep enjoying it until one day when you step out of this world and step into eternity, you then step into eternal life where you live with God, with his son, Jesus Christ, for eternity in heaven. That's the destination. There's two destinations, either heaven or hell. And you get to make the choice. And he's telling these listeners as they've gone through and listened to all the things he said in the sermon. He says, you need to choose the narrow gate. You choose the narrow gate. And you see, you don't just drift into salvation without decision and commitment. You have got to choose which one you are going to walk through. And nobody else can make that decision for you. It's not like you get up here and someone says, hey, Danny, you need to go through this gate or that gate. No, I get to choose. You get to choose. We choose. Whichever gate we go through, then there's going to be consequences with it. My prayer is that as you've listened to his sermon and you get to this point, that you would choose this narrow gate. And what this narrow gate is, is it says Jesus is the gate. It means I believe that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come on this earth and to die for our sins and then three days later to be raised from the dead, showing that he's got power to conquer sin and conquer death. And then he gives me the opportunity to be adopted into his family. And he says, I want you to come through this gate. And as you come through this, 
The Bible doesn't say that it just opens up and all of a sudden everything's happy. It's a, it's a narrow path. It'll continue to be a narrow path. And there'll be some difficulties. In fact, Jesus told later on to his followers, you want to follow me? Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Taking up your cross. During that day, they understood what that meant. That means you're willing to die for me. That means you're willing to face persecution, difficulties. And he says, if you're ready for that, come on and follow me. But I'm telling you, it's going to be the time of your life. And not only when you finish your last breath here on earth, are you going to be living a life with no regrets, but then you're going to spend eternity in heaven. He says, it's worth it all. But you got to go through that narrow gate. He's got to be willing to leave the stuff behind. And that's a choice. So you get to choose the path. You get to choose the path that you will walk. But second of all, you get to choose the people that you follow. Choose the people or choose the person to follow. He then talks about false prophets. In verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They're like, what he says, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep, but they're not. They're really wolves. He says, these are false teachers. And so when you choose the person to follow, you'll either follow false prophets or teachers of truth. And he says in this passage that you need to beware of people that are coming to preach things that are not correct. False doctrines. And then he goes on further and says, you'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus warns that they're going to be false teachers. Paul, you go all through reading in, in, the, in the epistles, he's constantly warning the churches. There are false teachers. They're masquerading as, as sheep, but they're not. They're wolves. And they're teaching you wrong things, and they're leading you in wrong directions. And he says, well, you need to be discerning. So, Shades Mountain, how are we discerning about, about false teachers? You could spend a whole lot of time talking about that. I just want to give you two things that should jump out at you really quick. Number one, someone's a false prophet or teaching things that are false. There is no narrow gate in his message. There is no narrow gate. Listen, if somebody is preaching and teaching and all they keep talking about is this broad, wide gate and everybody can come through there and does not talk about that there's a narrow gate, that there's only one way of salvation through Jesus Christ, that is a false teacher. And that means it's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Second of all, they try to please everyone and never warns of judgment. They try to please everyone and never warn of judgment. If all they do is speak and just say everything's happy and good and I, won't, I don't want anybody to be upset at me, I just want to tell you all these good things and happy things, but I'm never going to warn you of judgment, that's a false teacher. Read what Jesus did. He constantly warns of judgment. And so a false teacher just says, hey, I just want you to love me and I want, you, I want to be popular and, uh, and I don't want anybody to feel upset and I don't want to hurt your feelings, so I'm not going to preach judgment, just talk about God's love and all that little stuff. We sing Kumbaya and then we go. Well, that is really dangerous. And that's why Jesus warns them and says, listen, you, you need to understand who are you going to follow? And so you get to choose the people that you follow. You can either choose people that that are not preaching truth 
Or you can choose to follow people that teach the truth. The third point is that time will reveal the true nature of the fruit. Time will reveal the true nature of the fruit. And what Jesus says here is that you need to look at their fruit in order to be discerning. And and he gives some illustration of of different trees. And he says, uh, you know, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes and you don't get figs from thistles. Well, during that day, there was a a plant that everyone was familiar with called a buckthorn. And in that, it had these little black berries that could be mistaken for grapes. And so a way off, you look at it and it looks like that they're grapes. And there was also a plant, some uh, thistles out here that had these little bitty flowers that looked like figs far away. But once you get closer and you examine it, and then when you look, you go, oh, no, no, this is not it. And it says that will happen in false teachers, is that they'll go on and on, and over time, you will begin to see that their fruit doesn't match up. And the fruit of a teacher that doesn't match up is based on what he or she says and how he or she lives, their doctrine and their moral life. And oftentimes, those don't mesh. And we see throughout history, to where people were either preaching wrong doctrine and then all of a sudden they had lives where their morality didn't match up with what was being preached. And he says, you need to be an inspector. You need to look and be careful at false teachers. You determine the people you follow. And this is where it is serious. And the seriousness of this is found in verse 19. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He says, there's good trees and bad trees. Good tree gets good fruit. Bad tree gets bad fruit. And he said, every bad tree will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's judgment. Again, that's a picture of the fact that someone will go into judgment separated from God. You don't want to follow that person. Because if you follow those teachings, then you will find yourself heading into that same type of judgment. So these are choices that we all get to make. We get to choose the path that we will walk. We get to choose the person that we will follow. And last of all, you get to choose the profession to make. Choose the profession to make. Not talking about a profession that you go in as a career, but what we say with our words. Choose the profession to make. This part of the, of the Sermon on the Mount is some of the toughest sayings. Because he says here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Choose the profession to make. Are you just saying words or are you obediently doing the heavenly father's will? Now, every one of us needs to look at this. Am I just saying the words or am I obediently doing the father's word, will? It's whether our verbal profession is accompanied with a repentant heart and moral obedience. And Jesus is giving a picture that at the judgment, which points out that he's the one that will be doing the judging. He says, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I do these great miracles in your name? Did I cast out out these demons? And all these things are pretty public. He says, I was really public about all of this stuff. 
And Jesus' response is, I never knew you. And then at the end, he says, you did depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what he was saying is, I never knew you. And all these things that you were doing was really for your own glory and for your own show. It really had nothing about bringing honor and glory to me. It was really all about yourself. And you're doing these works of lawlessness because you're not bringing honor and glory to the Father. And he said, you were saying the words, but I know your heart. You see, the thing about Jesus is that he dissects the heart and he knows each one of our hearts. Now, we all can play the game and fool people. I mean, it, it, it's easy, especially in, in the Southeast, to fool people about, hey, we think we're Christians. We got a lot of stuff going for us. We got that heritage happening. I mean, like our mom and dads, if they were Christians, then a lot of people just feel like, well, then I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home. And then if your mom or dad was a, was a pastor or so, wow, that's really good. And if they were a missionary, ding, 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 daily double bonus, man. I mean, I mean, in the womb, I was, felt like I was come to know Christ. And, and you believe that. And then you give people when you say, hey, are you a believer? I've been a Christian all my life. All right? You know that's impossible, don't you? Do you realize that? I've been a Christian all my life. As a pastor, I get to be there when babies are born at times. I've never seen one child come out of the womb and look up at me and say, I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Never had it happen. I never had it. Now, for me, I was five days when I did, but I'm special. No, I'm just kidding. No, you say, well, why? It's because you got to choose which gate you go through. You have to choose. It's a choice. You make the choice. And so you can't say I've been a Christian all my life. There has to be a point where you decide, do I really want to follow the claims of Christ or not? Do I want to go on my own or do I want to follow the claims of Christ? You get to make that choice. We all get to make that choice. But see, what happens is, is sometimes you say, well, my family was Christian. I grew up in the church. I was always here at church. I went to vacation Bible school. I got a lot of memory verses, put the beads in my jar, and, and I did some great projects there. And I went on new wind trips and youth retreats and in college I was involved in in uh, FCA and on and on and on and all those are wonderful things but it just keeps drilling down is have you ever submitted your life to Christ have you ever come to the point to where you said I know that I'm a sinner I know what Christ has done for me on the cross I know the tomb is empty And I ask him to come in, forgive me of my sins. And I know I am a dirty, rotten sinner deserving to go to hell. But I want to claim that gift of grace that you're offering for me. And I want to accept you as my Savior. And then I want to live obediently for your kingdom. It's not just that I want to check a card off or have a quick prayer and then move on in life. I want to live obediently for your kingdom. I want to go through that narrow gate. I want to walk down that narrow path. I know I'm going to slip and slide. I'm going to have some setbacks along the way, but I know I'm your child. I want to be a part of your family. And when you do that, then you are the one who has truly had that repentant heart who's asked Christ to come into this heart. But Jesus is saying, hey, there are going to be all kinds of people that are making all kind of great claims. But yet, I never knew you. I never knew you. We got to be careful. Sometimes there's, there's unbelievable spiritual experiences that we have. And I've 
talked to a number of people that have had these. And they had these unbelievable spiritual experiences. And they'll sit there and they'll tell me about it. And it happened maybe when they were 18 or even when they were 12 or when they were 26. And, and the, this incredible experience. But nothing ever happened after that. And 10 years later, I'm asking, hey, how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm not in church and I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Well, tell me about your walk Christ. Well, let me tell you about 10 years ago when I had this, this amazing experience. See, I'd have to ask some questions. Was that just some emotional experience or did you really give your heart to Christ? See, it says that Jesus is the one that knows our heart. And he's going to make that call when we get into eternity. And you know, when we die and we step before him, there's no do-overs. It's not like a mulligan. It is it. Whatever choice you've made, the next step is the consequence. And that's why Jesus is warning them. And because in the midst of this, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. He's not saying you're perfect. What he's saying is you make that decision for Christ. You begin to walk this path. And as you walk this path, then your goal is to live a life of righteousness and to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. You know, if I said, stood here and I told you, I said, I love my wife, Janice. I just love her. Now, I don't really like to spend much time with her. And, um, and we don't talk very often. And financially, I don't really help her uh, at all on there. And, um, really the, the more we're apart kind of feel okay about it. And, uh, but I really love her. Let's see, what would you say to me? You're a crazy man. You're lying. You're not telling the truth. But what's amazing is we can sit here and say, Oh, I love God with all my heart. And then we don't serve him. We don't spend any time. Don't pray. Don't read our scriptures. We don't, don't give of anything of what we have. And, and, and we just kind of going through life where he's just an add-on and a down-the-road add-on at best. And then we think that when we die, we're going to stand before the creator of the universe, and he's going to give us a pass. He's going to let it slide. I could not even stand before Janice and get a pass if I was that way. You agree? We'd say, whoa, man, but his wife give him a hard time if he did all that stuff. Yeah. But the creator of the universe, oh, no, no, he'd give me a pass. Yeah, no. Jesus, who died on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth for six hours, dying a painful, cruel death, being separated from the Father, for those six hours, went through all of that agony and pain to pay for our sins, and he's just going to high-five you all the way through? Oh, yeah, come on, that's okay. That's all right. No, I don't think so. I know so. So this is why Jesus is making this warning. And he says, don't just say, hey, Lord, Lord, hey, I did these great things and great things. He knows the heart. And he knows if it's a repentant heart or not. So you got three choices. You get to choose the path that you walk. You get to choose the person that you follow. And you get to choose the profession that you make. And that will lead us to two destinations. Either you'll spend eternity in hell separated from God or you'll spend eternity in heaven living with God and that comes to our one conclusion 
And that is, there is no cheap grace. There is no cheap grace. You know, people will say, oh, Dan, it sounds like you're talking about works. I'm not talking about works. I'm telling you, I'm talking about a life that is transformed and changed through the power of Jesus Christ. And when you receive the grace of God and the grace of God to where he forgives you of your sins and then adopts you into his family, then we are to live for him. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ and God's grace in a person's life inevitably results in obedience. Inevitably, it results in obedience. Good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. And if you've never made a decision for Christ, truly in your heart, there's just, you're just a dead tree with bad fruit. But if you've truly made that decision for Christ, inevitably, the results will be in obedience and there will be good fruit. It'll be there. It's just natural. And so that's the conclusion. We can't cheapen grace. We're not saved by our works. What our works do, it's just a, uh, it's a next step as to what has already happened in our life. It's a natural outcome of what happens. And Jesus is saying that. How are you going to know them? You know them by the fruits on there choices. And the great thing about the choices that God has for us is there's not a lot of options. There's two options, either with him or against him. You either accept him or you reject him. You go through the wide gate or you go through the narrow gate. You listen to false teaching, the teachers of the world and others and say, oh, I'm going to go that route. Or you listen to the teachers of truth and you follow them. You profess just with your words as I'm going to say these things. I know the lingo. I know the right things to say. I'm just going to throw these things out and I know I'll be fine. Or, or your profession will be obediently living for Christ and to live a life of righteousness. You get to make the choice. And in fact, you're the only one that gets to make that choice for your life. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Now I want you to sit and just think for just one moment, where do you fall? Are you heading down a broad path? Or are you heading down that narrow path? You are the only one that knows the answer to that question. You know it. Jesus Christ knows it. In this service this morning, I want you to know for certain. And my hope is that you would walk through that narrow gate. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, in a prayer of salvation, of asking Christ to come into your heart. And if you realize that you have never made that decision, and you want to make it now, and you want to kind of drive that stake in the ground and say, God, man, I'm, I'm tired of just saying the words. I'm ready to live the life. I invite you to pray. I just want to pray this in your heart. Something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I am spiritually bankrupt. And Father, I'm mourning over my sins. And I want to be in a right relationship with you. So Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I ask for your son to come into my life and to save me from my sins. 
And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit fill my heart to give me the power to overcome sin and to have your presence for me to worship you like you want to be worshiped. And I ask that you would take first place in my life and that as we walk that narrow path, we walk it together. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for giving me abundant life on earth and eternal life in heaven. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.